Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Diminutive Collection. Hey, Christian. Good morning or good evening, wherever you are, Kieran. Nice to speak to you again. (laughs) You too. How's things? Oh, they're fine. They're all fine. I'm licking my wounds after a rather nasty defeat at a quiz with some boffin one. I can't bear them. (laughs) That boffin is me. Yeah. Again, I slayed, uh, well, we slayed, my team and I, the Quistina Aguilera's. See, and, um, and they call us they call us pretty dumb. You're pretty, I'm dumb. So you do well and I do like rubbish. We came actually last <laughs> and Kieran came first. By 10 points, he beat all the other teams by 10 points. Yeah, again, I don't know. Just, yeah. Anyway, um, it, yeah. Let's talk about Kylie and not on the oh, quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Who hasn't appeared in the... Oh, she did appear in the quiz last week, didn't she? But she didn't appear in yeah, this not, Yeah, not this one, sadly. For our word of out segment, where we look at her in the news, there really is not much that that's been coming up. I mean, she's appeared in the Mirror and also Hello Magazine online, but again, what they're doing is just reflecting or commenting on some sort of previous photos that she's posted on social. So, not much of a news story. I mean, one of the, the Mirror headline online is Kylie looks drastically different in throwback pic. I mean, no shit, Zoe Delaney. Like, literally. She didn't, though, did she? If you looked at the picture, she, she looked younger. Yeah, I mean, it's... So, like, I mean, she didn't look that drastically different. I mean, her hair was maybe a little bit straighter. She had kind of more of a, a youthful face. But it was... I mean, the thing is, it must be a very slow news day for these people. I mean, they have to constantly churn out these stories. And I guess Kylie must do well for all of these places because they seem to be basically writing stories about pictures, which is the most mind-numbing thing to do. And I've been there. I've done that. I know exactly how mind-numbing it is. Although, you know, what I would suggest to these people is do it with a bit of humour. They're written in such a po-faced way that they're not very exciting because even even the readers know that it must be a, a toil to have to write about some 30-year-old picture and make it sound exciting. Quite, they're doing it to fill a quota on their workday, right? Do they have to do a certain amount of words or a certain I amount think, of articles? Yeah, I think it, it depends on what, what title it is, but I think a lot of them have to have maybe 30 stories go out a day just so they kind of constantly... Uh, pumping stuff out i don't understand the ins and outs of it but i know you have to have a certain amount of stories a day to kind of to keep up your numbers and then that helps with the advertising all that boring stuff that oh, i guess <laughs> but christian you discovered a new book that you've been banging on to me to read oh yes I've, i discovered a new book that's three years old so i thought it was actually a new book because somebody <laughs> sent it to me as a housewarming gift it, it was called uh, good as you and it's by the lovely uh, uh, gay writer Paul Flynn. And it's a book about looking back at 30 years of gay Britain through his own personal eyes. It's actually a really, really good book. So much better than those boring books about feeling guilty about being gay. You know the ones I mean, the ones that no one buys. Um, oh, they're, so they're, they're po faced of anything. But this one is actually a really good book because it's written without any pretension whatsoever. Um, and it just, I mean, he's rough. I think he must be around my age because he has the same life experiences I've had in, in terms of uh, popular culture over the years. So he talks about neighbours in there and the impact neighbours had on him. There's also a massive chapter called The Impossible Princess, which goes on for about 30 pages. And it's all about Kylie and the rise of Kylie and how she started off, you know, as a PWL puppet, but then emerged as this kind of sex Kylie that then had control of everything. Now, of course, the most interesting part for me was the bit about my favourite song, Your Disco Needs You. And I'm going to read you a passage from what, is now, what has now become my Bible. But she says something really interesting. Um, made me well up a little bit because I think she sums up everything that song is. The record company was afraid of that one. Not others, but that one. It got in trouble. I still often think, who knows that song? It wasn't a single. It wasn't a hit. But when we do it in concert, it brings the house 
West Ham. It's so amazing. Even if it didn't have the proper hit package treatment, well, maybe people love it because it's their little secret and it wouldn't have happened in the, in the same way if it was, oh, I'm crying just reading that. <laughs> our little secret. That's what we've always said, that it's our little guilty pleasure that we all have. Maybe that's why people love it. But, you, you know, just listening to that, Christian, and you know I love you and I love your disco Niji, but I wholeheartedly agree that on a night like this should have followed up spinning around. Oh, I yeah, don't yeah. know if your disco Niji would have been the song to follow up on. It should have been a single, yes, but not in that order. No, no, I, I, no, I agree, actually, because I mean, I've never had a problem with the run of singles. I think the run of singles she had from the album were really good. Um, and, oh, no, of course they weren't. It was Kids. Um, kids, <laughs> kids in my head is never, it's not really a Kylie song. It's a Robbie Williams featuring Kylie song. And that's yeah, the exactly. way I always knew it. But, no, I always thought on a night like this was a great song. I'd never heard, I'd never heard the original, so it was a whole fresh new song to me. And yeah, we, we all know that maybe your disco needs you should have been the Christmas uh, office party song, but that's that's by the way. But this book is very, very, very good. It's it for those of you who are of a certain age, you know, mid 40s, I think this will take you back in time. Now is the time to look back at her anniversaries and what happened this week. So step back in time. Can't get you out of my head. It's 20 years old. Can you believe it? 20 years old. It was, oh my God, on the 8th of September. Christian, where's the time gone? It is terrifying. I mean, this is the sign of getting old because even though years drift by, it feels like yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that's quite a scary thing. Um, I remember hearing this for the first time. I guess I was, oh no, I heard this on the on, on the tour, obviously, the um, on a yeah, night like, like this tour. Yeah. And I remember I was, I, well, I remember me and the audience weren't particularly that excited by it. But it the production like, was terrible. The production yeah. wasn't great on it, right? And when you compared it to what we'd been used to from Light Years, which was very melodic and very broad and very kind of out there and in your face, this kind of introspective, in, intimate sounding, uh, minimalist pop song sounded very, very weird. Then when I heard the single version, I, I was more impressed by it. I thought, well, that's a really good chunky production. Um, but then I obviously knew that we were going in a different direction and maybe I wasn't ready to go in yet because I, I was still loving Lightyear so much. But I remember the, the whole hoo-ha about it and, and I loved watching the video and all that kind of stuff. She looked yeah. really good in the video. I mean, it's so iconic now that it's become, it's weird to talk about it because it's something that's so removed even from Kylie in a way because it's bigger than Kylie and everyone knows it. it's not like, this is the moment that Kylie... Exploded. We, the Kylie fans lost Kylie, I think, because we lost Kylie to the mainstream. I know that sounds a little bit protective and overprotective, but I just feel like she suddenly then changed her route and became somebody who wanted to tick boxes for mainstream audiences. Not her, but her record company. Yeah, but you, I don't know. Uh, well, go, I'm going to do this in phases. So going back and listening to Can't Get You What I'm Head for the first time, I thought this was so different. I never heard anything like it before. It was so fresh, so new, so current and so cool. It, like it was just um, a great, great song. Um, I don't think the Kylie fans lost her at that point. I think she, I, th- I think they went along with her on that journey, and I think a lot of she, she obviously opened herself up to a lot more of mainstream audience, which is great. But also opened herself up to America. This song was huge, not not even to America, but all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was you know it was such an important milestone in her career. And if again, if this didn't didn't happen we probably wouldn't be sitting here discussing Kylie today. Um, when I say we lost Kylie, I don't mean we lost Kylie. I mean, we, we all stuck by Kylie, but we lost our grip on Kylie. We had to share Kylie with the rest of the world. And I think mm. that was the beginning. And for me, it was the beginning. I've said this before, the beginning of the, the end of Kylie fan Kylie, because 
from that moment on, because that song was so big and it had such an impact on the world, the songs that followed for the next few albums became the same, aside from Terrible Body Language. <laughs> Previous albums had had different styles and it wasn't so electronic. And then after Can't Get Out of My Head and the Fever album, X and, and Aphrodite, they all became a little bit like, they all kind of had the same electronic sound. And I, I think Kylie became that sound for a long time. And I think that's where we lost Kylie because it wasn't really about her own character because her character pushed a lot of the songs in the early days, I think, because she was the iconic character and the songs were attached to her. But I think she was attached to songs from this moment on until we got to maybe Golden. Um, the song was offered to Sophia Lispector, who passed on this. Um, and then it was played to Kylie in 2000. And Kylie's like, when, like, where can I do this? She told the son. I fell in love with it the first time I heard it, like Cinderella Slipper. It was a perfect fit. So simple, cool, and pop. The video, as you said, Christian, is so iconic, directed by Dawn Shadforth. And that designer outfit of the white, iconic um, dress was then by an unknown designer called Fiona Fifan. Um, it's just one of those kind of, um, I don't know, just, the, the, it's just cool. The video was amazing. And, but I think that we, we spoke about this in depth on the last episode of the fever episode where we spoke about this, but there was a bit of a battle forming, um, at the time of this release between Victoria Beckham and Kylie, because they were oh. both releasing singles on the same day. And no doubt that Kylie smashed, uh, Victoria by, um, Quite a lot. Can't get you out of can't get you out of my head. Sold three hundred six thousand copies in week one, while Victoria sold. Do you know how many Christian? No. <laughs> Have a guess. Oh, let me uh, let me. So three hundred six thousand for can't get you out of my head and fifty three thousand less. Higher or lower? Lower. Forty <laughs> thousand um, less. Oh my god, thirty thousand. A little bit higher. She's thirty five thousand. <laughs> Uh, th- let's not forget that she also w- went in at number seven or something, didn't she? She didn't go six, in number, in yeah, so number six. Yeah. Five other or four other people ahead of her. So, I mean, that was quite disastrous for uh, Victoria. Is that when she was dragging David around all the local war- Woolworths? Oh, that, that might have been the Dane Bowers song. Oh, hey, which one are we talking about? Me, I'm it? not such an innocent girl. Not such an innocent. That's her solo one, isn't it? Yeah, the one that she was up against. Yeah. Can I get you on my head with? Oh, I get confused. Oh, because the other one was. Uh, up against Sophie Ellis Baxter, wasn't it? And that's when she was dragging a, a skinhead David Beckham around all the Woolworths. <laughs> that didn't do well either. I think Victoria should have worked out after these two experiences that no one wanted to hear her songs. <laughs> the song hit the top spot in 40 countries, best-selling single in Europe for 16 consecutive weeks, while in America hit number seven on the Billboard 100 and number one on the US dance charts, making her making this her first US comeback in 13 years. Oh, amazing. So I'd like to thank, you know, a couple of it's been 20 years for Can't Get You Out of My Head and song that I still listen to all the time and I don't think it's dated, still stands up to the test of time and to all the current songs today. Also, another very important anniversary this week, Christian, Some Kind of Bliss. bliss. Now, you see, I get more excited by this song than I do by Can't Get You Out of My Head. This one, for me, has more charm and I have more love for it. And it's weird because it was her lowest charting position in the UK. Um, but I really love that song. I remember hearing it for the first time because uh, it was a lead single, wasn't it? So, um, and it felt so summery. I mean, I didn't like her hair in the video, but it was, it was something so, you could smell the sunshine when you were watching it. And it's such an upbeat, an upbeat sound. My, my only complaint is, um, and as much as I like Manic Street Preachers, 
um, she kind of jumped on that bandwagon when that bandwagon was had lost a couple of wheels because they had been huge about a year and well, maybe 18 months beforehand. By the time this song came around, their moment had kind of gone. You know, a bit like when she was working with um, Pharrell. You know, when she oh, jumped Pharrell. Pharrell's bandwagon, there were no wheels left on that one. But um, but then this was interesting, wasn't it? Because Some Kind of Bliss and uh, a couple of the other songs, like was it Breathe and... Uh, did it again. They were songs that were done afterwards because the record company were concerned that the album was too electronic and too weird and awful. And God damn it, they were right. When I first heard this, I thought it was, wasn't was a bad song. It just wasn't a Kylie song. It just wasn't... That's I what know, I love coming... about it. Yeah, really? I don't know. It, just, it, was, it took me a while to really warm into it. But now, as you know, Impossible Princess, the album is one of my favourite albums uh, of Kylie's. But it just took me a little while. It was very different. So basically she worked with James... Dean Brad- Bradfield because she was you know she loved that was Manic Street Peaches was a favorite band at that time uh, they first met at his home and played around with some lyrics she'd written um, and then obviously came up with this with this song um, yeah it, it's it's I don't know it was it it took it just took a while for me she stated in, in in Q magazine because the album was done over a two-year period and with four different producers there are obviously different sounds and I even sound different from one track to the next because it was a time, you know, it was the first time I've written by myself and the whole process is she was changing through the whole process as well. So yeah, I've just, Oh my God. And, you know, looking back, the album is a work of genius an absolute work of genius. It just took me a while to love this song. How does the song sit with you? Because obviously you're a big fan of those very kind of odd, weird, squelchy electronic songs that are kind of like in my head dirges. So how does a song like that and I don't need I don't need anybody, how do they sit with you? Because they're so different. I don't need anyone. I think I... Oh, no, man, sorry, I lost yeah. my mind. I don't... I, I, if I was to put on Impossible Princess and select my favourite tracks, this wouldn't be in the top five. Really, that's very interesting because this yeah. is my favorite one. Yeah. Ah, you see, I would love Kylie. I love you. See, this is the thing. This is what I was saying about when can't get it out of my head. Kind of left Kylie having to sing constantly against these electronic dance beats. It became quite wearing after a while because it was just like, oh, it just sounds like another song, another version of can't get it out of my head. And when you hear something like this, where it's uh, her her very very unique vocal against a different production sound then I get very excited. It's like when she does do these duets, you know, like with Hertz or um, uh, like uh, Nick Cave, um, then I'm really, really impressed yeah. because it just sounds so different against the backing track because her and that, you know, being triple tracked and her voice played with this. I, I just love hearing her uh, do different kinds of songs. I love this one. I think at that time, it was always going to be a struggle for her to be accepted as an, a credible musician and a songwriter. So I think that's why, like, uh, you know, when this was first released, it may have been jarring for a few people that have not seen Kylie in that light. Was this before or after the Nick Cave song, by the way? This is after. Yeah. Because yeah. Another thing that I discovered in that book, William Baker reveals that when the idea of her singing with him came about, she didn't know who Nick Cave was, which I found quite astonishing. Wow. But then this is the man, William Baker, just, I have to go back to this book because it's another a line where he, he describes her as, William had thought of Kylie as little more than a prettier, more successful Hazel Dean. What a thing to say. William Baker said that. <laughs> prettier Hazel Dean. A prettier, more successful Hazel Dean. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if, that, if I'd found that out, I would never have worked with him. How dare he? <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, Hazel Dean's extensions and she'd look 
she looked beautiful. Oh my god! Like so, some kind of bliss turned out to be an extremely expensive experiment for deconstruction. It marked her biggest flop of her musical career, and was released on the same week as "Candle in the Wind." Little pop, you know, little pop. pop uh, so this was around the time that Diana died. So what was? Oh, so yeah, because it was like literally two weeks after Diana's death. Yeah. So maybe the sunshine song wasn't quite the right fit Mood for, for the UK. a very moody, moody world because. It's so upbeat. I mean, if it maybe had been left a while, it just it wasn't one of those songs you probably have. You know, when they use songs on TV for soundtracks, I guess they weren't looking for upbeat summer songs. It was all kind of like Dower, Elton John, and all that kind of stuff. It's such a shame. I think so. I think it's a Kylie secret gem that I think people completely forget about. I mean, I think that whole period of time for the mainstream, it's the Kylie time that people forgot. Do you think you'll ever like the album? I try to. I have tried to love it. I like the ones that are very melodic. I love Dreams. I love I Don't Need Anyone. Um, I like Breathe, Did It Again. I like the ones, I like the songs. I like the, the, the songs that have melodies that if you took the song, if you took the music away, you can sing along to the song. I can't really sing Jump and all those boring songs. Okay. I'm sorry. I, 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 I forced my, you know, this is the one, one of Chuck Kylie's children that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't take in at Christmas. <laughs> You leave it out there on the cold, along yeah. with the stepsister body language, <laughs> an ex. Oh no, I didn't. Well, maybe body. Yeah, body language would be in the. She body language would be under the bed, like Shannon Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> Too raw. <laughs> okay, let's let's go to our Fanog. This week's Fanog joins us all the way from Australia, Kylie's homeland. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Philip. Welcome to the Diminutive Collection. Thanks, Kira. It's great to be here. Well, great to have you. So let's take us way back to the beginning. How did Lamanog infiltrate you in your life? So I've been a fan since 1987, I guess. So, you know, Neighbours was absolutely huge. Then she released The Locomotion. It was like number one for seven weeks in Australia. And I was 15, I think. Yeah. And just kind of fell in love with her, I guess. Uh, before we proceed further, what are your thoughts on the Australian locomotion versus the UK <laughs> locomotion? The superior UK version. I was, <laughs> I was hoping you are going to ask me this. <laughs> oh, good. And your because answer? <laughs> I cannot stand the UK version. <gasps> yes, see, it's Australian all the way. Like yeah. we, we need it. We need seriously to to get the UK version of the locomotion back in the charts. I think we can do this. Look, it's that's the version that you know that was her first single in Australia. That was the first song that we all kind of knew and came to love. And then when Stockache and Waterman did their version. Mm. It just didn't seem right. It's like, yeah, why, why toy with perfection? Is was my thought as a seven-year-old when I heard. Well, it. in fairness, I did, I hadn't heard the original version until a few years later, and to me, it sounded like she was banging a few pots and pans. It was so tinny. I just didn't <laughs> quite like it. So I loved that warp and that powerful bassline on the Stockhead and Walton one. You know, it, it sounded like there was absolutely no human interactivity on that on that song. It was all computers and uh, nasal voice, and I loved it. But the other. The other one was a little bit too raw for me. Too raw. I think I might have to yeah, stop bringing this up. It is a bit tinny. It is a bit. It's probably not as polished as it could be. No. But it's still an amazing track. 
It was like the biggest selling song in the 80s in Australia. Yeah, massive, massive. I think I need to stop bringing yeah. it up now. I think people are going to be sick of me asking that question. So your disco needs you. Do you like that song then? Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll go through all the things that we just go on about. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, you seem you must have, I mean, that's another song that you Australians were able to enjoy as a single because we didn't get it as a single. Were you over there? Oh, actually, were you in Australia? At that I point? was in London. Yeah. I was yeah, living in London. 2000. Fair so I, I didn't get it as a single. Um, but yeah, it should have been a single, obviously. Mm. Um, and it's a real shame that that track hasn't had the exposure that it warrants. And I know you guys have talked about. Or maybe that's quite nice that hasn't happened. But yeah, anyway, I think it's such a great song, such a gay camp classic. <laughs> so, Phil, going back to Kylie when you were 15, when this first album came out, did you, like, at that point uh, in your friendship group at school, uh, you know, did you have to kind of, <laughs> were you vocal about your love of Kylie to your friends group I or was it a, like a dirty hidden secret? <laughs> Um, so she was like, you have to remember Neighbours was so huge. So when the locomotion came out, it, it was huge. Everyone loved her. And when her first album came out, it was pretty much the same. Everyone was still like on the Kylie bandwagon. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was a little bit later where things kind of changed. And it wasn't so cool to like Kylie. Maybe maybe a year after that first album came out. Um, but I think also it was the Stock Aiken Waterman. You Same. know, they were getting a bit of a bad rap as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because in Australia, and I've spoken to Christian about this as well, um, we didn't really have a lot of the Stock Aiken and Waterman artists there. Like, I don't recall having hearing Sonia in Australia. I remember Melon Kim, Banana Rama, and Rick Astley and Samantha Fox, but she's not really a Stock Aiken and Waterman artist. But <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where I think that we, you know, it was very, it was foreign sounding. I think to us, well, to me, that's sort of an early age in my life listening to that kind of music. The problem I think with Stock Aiken Waterman at that time in Australia was that it's very poppy, very produced, very high energy. And, you know, Australia has this rock and roll kind of, you know, they love their rock and roll and it wasn't that. Mm. And so that, I think that's where the backlash came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. For, from those first four albums, what were the songs that you kind of took from each album that were your, you know, your comfy cardigans to wear? What songs did really impact on you? Um, so out of the first four albums, Rhythm of Love is my absolute favourite album. <laughs> Probably of all time from Kylie. Wow. Because it was just, yeah, it's just, I mean, I know it's got the four, you know, the best, four <laughs> best tracks, uh, Better the Devil You Know, Shocked, um, and all the rest of them. Mm. But it saw Kylie, I don't know, develop, mature, turning to what she was going to become, I guess. Um, so Rhythm of Love is like my all-time favourite. The first album, I don't listen to it that much. And I know everyone says this, but I love Turn It Into Love. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a great track. The singles are okay, but I mean, yeah, um, Locomotion, Turn it into love. 
Um, Got to be certain is another banger. Uh, I'm not a oh. big fan of that one. Wow. <laughs> See, that's the one that got me into Kylie because I didn't like I Should Be So Lucky. I thought it was a bit silly. But then Got To Be Certain was the one I thought, oh, God, you know what? That's not too bad. And I can maybe live with, with I Should Be So Lucky. What about um, yeah. uh, Enjoy Yourself? Enjoy Yourself had such a variety of sounds. Were, were there songs that jumped out at you? Hand On Your Heart, obviously, is a standout. Um... What else? I mean, I quite like the title track, which yeah. I'd completely forgotten about until I heard it at the anti-tour. And I think she closed the show with that, actually. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, it's just funny, all these tracks that you yeah. forget. But they're amazing. Mm. Which would be your least Kylie favourite in terms of albums in her, in her um, discography? Um, I think it's probably... Let's get to it, oh. maybe. Okay. So either that or body language. <laughs> I, th I think we go for body language because that's a terrible album. But, um, <laughs> but is that because she kind of moved in the, into a more kind of R&B kind of groove as opposed to the kind of high energy just, in the air? It just wasn't... I mean, she released The Word Is Out, which was fine. It was great. It was a hit. <laughs> and then that album kind of died in Australia. Like, I don't remember... The singles after that so I don't know if there was no publicity mm. but it's just it, it just didn't do anything for me it, I don't know it just didn't work no I mean the song I don't think the singles aside from finer feelings they were they weren't very good they had that awful give me just a little more time <laughs> hideous but three three singles off yeah. that album what else was off that album <laughs> if you were with me now oh see terrible what really? I see. I don't no, know. But, no, but, ter but terrible choices of singles. I, mean, I think there are better songs on there that they could have released. And now, obviously, you're an Australian. So, uh, did you love the kind of weird, impossible princess '94, the, the deconstruction years? Because yeah, like, Australia seems to. That's when Australia embraced Kylie again, isn't it? When Impossible Princess came out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love that album. I think it's great. I love Did It Again. I love the tour, Intimate and Live. It was brilliant. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a favourite period. I mean, the 94 album is a little bit... I do like it, but it's mm. not my favourite. And I know you guys have talked about, um, you know, the first single confiding me not being, you know, not representing mm. what that album was. And I completely agree. Um yeah, so, but, yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting, like, uh, going back and, like, thinking about that time when Impossible Princess came out, and I, I mentioned it before in a few episodes, I mean, I had friends who weren't Kylie fans who became Kylie fans because of the Impossible Princess. And I, it was such a special moment, I think, in her career. And I think, you know, it, it's, it, without you know Impossible Princess, we would not be having what we have now for Kylie, I think. So I think she needed to do the, that album and to scratch that itch kind of thing and, and, and move forward for her own kind of career. And I, I, I still think, and I, it, it's, it is a good album. I think it is a great album. Again, like um, Kylie 94, I, I still think that it stands the test of time. It hasn't really aged. If you listen to mm. it, I think, you know, where, where the first PWR ones, you can really hear, you know, eighties in your face kind of thing. But um, yeah. I, the I only track that has aged is that M People song, <laughs> which is absolutely oh, that M -People song. 
absolutely awful <laughs> and I can't stand that song. I don't know why she put it on that album. Uh, it sounded out of date at the time. <laughs> it, it, it just was. felt like it should just... Because I think their moment had gone by that point. You know, they were flashing the pan, old them people. But that sound had kind of slightly disappeared by the time her album came out. Which is the thing I always say about Kylie. She always seems to jump on a bandwagon a bit too late. M people, Manic Street Preachers, they they they'd gone off the boil by that point. Pharrell, he'd gone way off the boil yeah. by the time she jumped on his bandwagon. So I think Kylie needs to maybe look a little bit forward. But th she has been forward thinking. She's she's I can't think of any ex examples right now. I'm yeah. sure somebody can let me know about one. But um. But uh, in terms of the kind of the impossible princess seems to mean a lot to people in terms of their. I mean, I don't listen to lyrics, but did did the did it impact on your heart in a different way to other albums? Um, I don't think so, to be quite honest. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to remember that period of my life, which uh, is quite right. a long time ago. <laughs> but um, it was just. I mean, I just I liked that she was taking a risk, I guess. Mm. Mm. That's the thing that I quite admired. Um, and I know it didn't pay off in the charts or in sales. Um, but she's always taken that risk, I think. Even like doing doing something completely different after Rhythm of Love with going with like, let's get to it, which was a risk. You know, changing a very successful um, light years formula and going into the techno fever uh and then again going into body language regardless of how we feel about it but again and this she's doing all these different kind of she is continually taking risks and i think that is to her benefit and and betterment i think as her as an artist i mean who knows what we're going to get after disco i mean what would you like to her to do after disco i want her to go back to her indie i want oh, her to do something yes. I'd really like to see her experiment a little bit more. And when I say indie, I don't mean like, you know, some weird alternative, mm -hmm. but just something maybe low-key, just back to basics maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. But... See, I'd, I'd love Kylie to, I mean, I love some kind of bliss. If um, And I'd like to kind of hear Kylie do something with real instruments, but still very euphoric, upbeat. But with, I, I don't know, I, I, I love that kind of 90s indie sound and I really loved some kind of bliss because it was a real summer. It was a very Kylie song, even though it wasn't a Kylie song. It And, I, I, you know, I was horrified when it did so badly in the UK because it got to number 20 or whatever it was. But it was, um, for me, it was just, it had Kylie written all over it. And I'd love to hear her do those songs. because I think her voice works very well with real instruments. And I can't believe I'm saying real instruments because I love, I love anything that's computer generated. <laughs> so it's actually horrifying me by saying this. But I, I think you're right. We need to hear something a little bit different. I'm kind of, I kind of get a little bit bored of maybe the, the, the auto-tune vocal and the kind of the the kind of dance beats a little bit as much as I love that. I mean, we, we can have remixes if we needed them, but it'd be nice to have that nice kind of fresh summer sounds from Kylie, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I quite like that the fact that, you know, the last two albums have, you know, they've had a very specific focus, uh, you know, with the country album, um, which the name completely escapes me at the moment. Golden. Um, <laughs> golden. And then obviously with disco, with the disco sound. But I personally think she probably could have taken those albums even further in those genres. Mm. No, I agree because I think they were a little bit, um, a little bit superficial in the sense that they were ticking the boxes but didn't have didn't do anything exciting. Because I think in our disc, in one of our disco reviews, I would say I would love 
a 12 minute version of a song where there's a huge kind of 70s orchestra with all the disco beats and I think we were kind of not cheated the song word but we were just given three minute three and a half minute pop songs and I wanted to have those huge anthemic uh, epic disco songs maybe on the deluxe yeah, album absolutely. Get that. Mm. yeah what do you think about Carly as an actress Philip oh dear <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, um, what can I say? I think uh, we haven't seen the best of her yet. <laughs> I like that, yes. <laughs> Street Fighter was not one of those films that will go down uh, in the annals of um, cinematic I mean, I mean, I think she, I think she is a very, uh, I think she, she is a good actress, but she just hasn't chosen the best projects to kind of highlight that in mm. her career. I, I think we find it difficult to see Kylie as an actress now because we're so used to Kylie as the pop star. It's like Madonna. I mean, I'm sure Madonna's a good actress. I can't quite tell. But we always see Madonna in those yeah. roles as Madonna. We don't see her as playing a character. So I think it's the same with Kylie to a degree. Although I haven't seen that, that film that set in the 70s with Guy Pearce. So is she meant to be quite Swing, good Swing Safari. Yeah, it, yeah, she's actually quite good in it, yes. Yeah, so maybe that, that might be slightly different because I think she looks a little bit different, doesn't she? She doesn't look like Kylie. Yeah. She looks a little yeah. Like, yeah, like a younger version of Carol. <laughs> well, she thinks of sewing. <laughs> and ironing. <laughs> with, with the spinning wheel, sleeping for 100 years after she'd been pricked by it. Oh, bless her. Poor old Carol. Kissed by Brendan. Oh, that's weird. That's incest. You know what I mean? What's dad called? Dad's called? Ron. Ron, yeah. Ron, Ron, can, yeah. Ron can kiss her back to life. Yeah. So, Phil, if she sat down with us now, if she'd like jo join this call, what would you say to her? What would I say? I would say um, I'd probably be speechless and a complete mess, but when <laughs> I got myself together, I'd probably just say thank you for, you know, all the great music, all the joy that she has brought to me personally. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I would be... I'd be beyond myself, I think. Oh. Just be freaking out. But have you ever met her in person? I have not met her in person, no. I wish. If she if she the artist you would turn to music-wise, if you're going through a tough time, is she the kind of person who, if you put on a song, that she would help you through? Or have there been a has there been a tough time in your life where you kind of thought you know, you kind of get lost in your own world and then you've got this kind of solace in, in terms of her music and who she is and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think definitely, like, if, you know, I'm going through a difficult time or whatever, I just need to remove myself and just escape. You know, you can always put on a Kylie album and just dance like crazy and, you know, just lose yourself. Mm. For sure, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think she, yeah, she and does the track it. I always come back to is "Better the Devil You Know." Ah, is that is that so, a particular song that's been something to you? Well, it doesn't. It's just I think it's just my favorite Kylie track. No, and it's you know it's just one of my favorite tracks of hers that I could just go crazy on the dance floor and, as I said, just lose myself. So. 
Right. Well, we could sit and chat to you for, for all all day, Phil. Thank you. Thank you so so much for joining us to chat all things Kylie with us and and, and joining us uh, on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for your time. No it's been lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're amazing. We'll speak soon. Thank you. It was our pleasure. See you later on. Okay. Bye. 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 You know what, Christian? I absolutely just love chatting. I know I've said it before and we've said it multiple times during the podcast, but actually sitting and chatting to other Kylie fans who have, you know, such different connections and different stories. It, it really, I, I just love it. It seriously was one of my favorite, you know, things to do. And I, I absolutely love this. Um, yeah, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but yes, I do love hearing what these lovely, lovely chaps have to say. It's, it's very warming. As I said, it feels like a, it feels like these are reunions of people that we've 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 kind of known not personally, but we've known them. We've been connected by the joyous sounds of uh, Ms. Minogue, and when we kind of meet each other on on, on these episodes, it feels like we're old friends, mm, and that's, that's such right, a lovely right? thing. And you know what? We're very lucky to have this very special bond. Oh my god, you're so right. It kind of feels like that. Like if you you met someone ages ago and you've not seen them for a while, and you chat and you instantly connect. It's some. It's that. It's it's amazing. It's so so it's so good. I'm surprised Kylie hasn't. Seeing she puts her name to everything else, she hasn't done like a dating site because I mean she would rinse it with all the gays. Because I mean, mm. in the early days of say, hey, I remember it was like some hotbed of sleaze. I mean, having said that, I was holding my coats because nobody gave me a second look, but oh, uh, <clears throat> even a first lick. But um, but yeah, I mean, Kylie should have a, some kind of dating thing. Kylie dating or something. Um, Kylie smiley dating because. We all have, not that we need anyone, but all the Kylie fans have that immediate connection. So already you've got, you know, you've got something in common to start with. Oh, anyway. So that's it for this week, I think, unless you have any Minogue mantras. Oh, I've still, I'm still waiting for someone to send one in. <laughs> Actually, talking about the romance thing, if anyone has met their partner through Kylie Minogue, let us know, because that would be interesting, an interesting story. If they oh, yeah. met via the Kylie sites or met at a Kylie show, it'd be nice to see if Kylie brought, brought someone together. Oh, yeah, I like that. Mm. And if you want to get in touch with us, please do. Um, we're going to be on the hunt for more Fanogs uh, very soon. We'll do, be doing some batch recordings. So hit us up on the Kylie Smiley podcast at gmail.com or at the Diminutive Collection on Instagram. Uh, and we'll get in touch and, um, yeah, get you on the podcast. So, Christian, thanks for this week. My pleasure. And we'll see you next week for more Kyle Action. Yes. Bye. Bye.